Wicked Good, Season 3, Episode 08. Tommy Chong, CBD, Blue Chew, Advertisers, as always. Check them out right now, wickedgood.xyz, wickedgood.xyz, wickedgood.xyz. That has everything, advertiser links, other links to other platforms, Reddit, Patreon, Twitch, live streams, all that shit's there. So wickedgood.xyz for everything. Back at it again. Uh, took a little bit of a break off. Don't know what just happened to my voice there, but back into it with the Halloween sort of episodes for this month. Did take a break off. Had some things happen in uh, family, close friends. I don't really want to get into it very much, but um, I like to keep the personal stuff off of here. But uh, feeling better. Didn't really want to make any subpar content. Uh, and if I wasn't feeling it, I honestly really don't know why I should do it. I don't really want to be held to some sort of standard where I have to do stuff like that. But we're back. I do want to start it off. Um, obviously, it wasn't going to come back last week, but another thing happened. Um, if you are out there and you, I mean, if you are out there, anyone listening or watching this, please reach out to someone you know or someone you haven't talked to in a while and just call them, send them a text message, tell them you love them, all those good sort of things. Make sure you at least stay in contact with people and you're checking up with them, especially people who have struggled that maybe on some sort of medication or anything like that because um, who knows what can happen and uh, clearly I'm ifing towards, I think, you guys can probably understand what happened, but please just talk to people. Uh, a lot of the times, I mean, I even fall into it. I don't really talk to my friends or I haven't even talked to some people in like four years or whatever that I still would probably like to think as my friends. So just reach out to people, see how they're doing, talk to them. We all have phones now. We don't have to send letters. It's very easy to communicate with people, but it seems like nowadays it's almost tearing us apart in, in some um some sort of way. So just reach out to people you haven't talked to in a while or people who you might be struggling, people who aren't even struggling. It's just, we have these devices that can connect us to thousands of people, millions of people in split seconds. So might as well put that to good use and not waste it and have some things happen that, I don't know. But either way, back at it. Obviously, if you're listening to this, you can't see it. Uh, that's how listening works. But set's a little different, added some stuff. I'm wearing a mask. I don't know how long I'm going to wear this mask, nor do I know what it sounds like. I did buy this mask literally before recording this because, you know, uh, the mask that I wanted uh, did not come in the mail fast enough. So shout out that. But this one's good enough. Didn't want to wear a mask that had a bottom, so it fucked up my voice. And obviously, I want the plague mask. Um, I wonder why I would like the plague mask, but there you go. Enough of this fucking, oh wait, um, oh, more background shit before we get into it. Uh, I am now running every single week. I'm doing Monday through Friday. I will be doing a live stream rerun. So all the time through Monday through, from Monday through Friday on the YouTube and the Twitch, I will be running reruns of every single episode. From I think it's season one, two, and three. I can't remember off the top of my head, but we're rerunning episodes. 
So if you want to check it out, I, I kind of thought it would be a cool idea to do that. I think I talked about it in the other episode, but now it's up and running. So every Monday through Friday, always a stream going on. So you can watch other episodes or just fucking pop in or whatever you want. I'll be doing other Twitch live things or, or, or you live streaming things in the future. But right now, just rerunning a bunch of episodes. As always, Wicked Good Song of the Week. Today's Wicked Good Song of the Week is Coco by Baby Keem, Don Tolliver. Really good album. I really enjoy the Baby Keem album. I've got listened to it a couple of times now. Uh, my music tastes have been weird lately. Not really uh, like doing full albums anymore. That's what I used to do a lot. Is I used to basically only listen to albums from top to bottom. Really been kind of like searching on like not album stuff lately. So... That's kind of been the kick I've been on, but I did enjoy this album, and I thought this was the best song off of it, obviously. Shout out to my guy, Don Tolliver. So, Usually, if you know, if you listen to this for the first time, if you're watching this for the first time, I feel bad for you. Not really. That's your problem. But starting it off this episode with Morty's Mind Blowers, uh, copyright infringement uh, not wanted, but first one is... We have the monster comet, comet, monster, a monster comet that's falling towards the sun. And uh, depending on in the next couple of years, if these pictures end up or pixels basically end up working out, this will be the largest comet ever discovered. So shout out uh, being scared of space rocks. Now, technically, it's a space ice rock. But uh, here we go. Article from CNET. Shout out CNET, shout out my guy Eric Mack. I do not endorse him or this article, but I'm reading it because someone else did a lot more uh, research than I did. A newfound comet headed in the direction of the sun isn't exactly a big deal. That's basically what comets do, but it's one which has been cataloged as 2014 UN271 stands out for a couple reasons. First, the space snowball could be around 125 miles wide, which is somewhere in between a giant comet and a dwarf planet. Consider that the Hale-Bopp, shout out the, uh, oh fuck, what are those guys who went up into, who um, sent themselves to God? That's a comet. One of the largest, brightest comets in, rec- uh, comets in recent memory was only 24 miles wide. So Hale-Bopp, 24 miles wide, recent very bright. This one's 125 miles wide, so uh, I think if my mathematics are correct, I think that's uh, pretty fucking big. If the early estimates of this size hold, 2014 UN271 might even set the record for the biggest comet ever spotted, but there's still quite a bit of uncertainty at this point. It could be part of the width in it could be that part of the width in early observations is actually a coma or a tail, and that the nucleus is far smaller than its current appearance. That said, the pixelized image, which they do actually have an image, which, as always, the show notes are down below if you want to check out the articles. But uh, the observations shared University of Pennsylvania who discovered the object sure look completely tailless. The picture I will describe basically looks like if you took Minecraft, you take the black wool, you take the dark gray wool, you take the white wool, you take the light gray wool, and you 
basically jam them together and you put the white in the middle and then slowly move up the dark. So not very uh, good resolution wise, but it is a very large pixelation masterpiece. I just came up with that off the top of my head. In addition to being colossal, 2014 UN271 has a very, very long orbital path that, oh Jesus, I, this always blows my mind, orients itself or originates itself at 1.2 trillion, I'll say 1.2 trillion miles away from the sun at the very edge of the solar system. This is a quote from uh, Phil Plate. I don't know who that is, but here's a quote. From the distant, it, Jesus Christ. From that distance, the sun's gravity is so weak, a whisper could push this into interstellar space. So we have a very large fucking comment just chilling out there. No idea when it's going to come in. They think uh, it's probably going to take the closest pass to the sun in 2031. So that's when we'll be. That's when we will be able to see it a lot closer. It isn't coming directly at us, so we don't necessarily have to worry about it. But I mainly wanted to bring it up to make people realize, um, yes, we need to worry about things happening on this planet. But uh, there are giant fucking rocks fuck, just whizzing around that we just don't even see sometimes. And um, if one of those hits us, we're fucked. Don't, I like, yeah, we can have a climate disaster. Oh, God forbid the rich people have to move their houses away from the water because the water's rising. Oh, no. Oh, people don't need to live in the desert. Oh, wow. Oh, no. Oh, well, what happens when a giant fucking space rock hits us and the whole fucking place gets fucked? Well, well, I guess we'd all be dead. So, you know, I just beat up my own opinion, my own opinion. Yeah, whatever. Heads up. Big space rocks. Be well. Don't be scared, because honestly, I guess if one hits us, I guess we probably would be dead anyways. But that's besides the point. Humans, we do a lot of crazy shit. So I, I guess at a certain point, we probably shouldn't be too scared about it. Maybe we'll just send a rocket to it, or you know what we'll do? We'll send some winged microchips at it. Wonderful transition. That transition is going to. We have now. The world's smallest flying structure. Now, I will state, and uh, it does stay, state in the article's title, that this is the smallest human-made flying structure. So, shout out the humans. The humans. This is from Northwestern Now. Another reason why I thought this was really cool, because I can imagine where this is going to fucking go in the next couple years. But... Northwestern University engineers have added new capabilities to microelectronic chips, microchips, flight. About the size of a grain of sand, I will point out, uh, maybe I'll make the, I'll make the audio versions um, thumbnail this to show you how fucking small this stuff is, but I highly recommend realizing, like going to the link down below in the show notes, the paste bin. And seeing how fucking small these things, like literally it's the grain of, it's the size of a grain of salt. I mean, a grain of sand. So these things are fucking ridiculously small. The new flying microchip or micro flyer does not have a motor or engine. Instead, it catches flight on the wind, much like a maple tree's propel, wait, propeller seed. 
if you're not from the Northeast, I don't know if you actually know what those or ever see those, and spins like a helicopter through the air toward the ground. By studying maple trees and other types of wind dis, uh, dispersed seeds, the engineers optimized the microflyer's aerodynamics to ensure that, when dropped from a high elevation, it falls at a slow velocity in a controlled manner. The behavior stabilizes the flight, assures dispersal over a broad area, and increases the amount of time it interacts with the air, making it ideal for monitoring air pollution and airborne diseases. I don't understand the exact implementations of this, so I don't know about the monitoring of air pollution and airborne disease, but I want to point out something that when dropped at a high elevation... These things are not, um, they're not remote controlled. They're remote controlled at a certain sense that if you, I know, so they're not remote controlled, not remote controlled. They need to be dropped from a high elevation. Think about it as a tree dropping seeds, but instead it would be a helicopter or a drone from thousands of feet dropping them rather than a tree dropping seeds. So just imagine it as seeds from a plant, but now they're microchips and data and stuff can be stored on them and certain processes can happen. Apparently enough processes or enough processing power to monitor air pollution and airborne disease. There's a video on YouTube uh, on the link as again, show notes, but they have a couple different types of these microchips. The image I'm looking at right now is it's six microchips or micro flyers on someone's finger and there's six of them and i can't it looks like a fucking piece of dust just on someone's hand so these things are fucking small so bordy's mind blower my mind was blown hope your mind is blown um that's the only blowing i'm gonna be doing get that one haha <laughs> joke um next generation wait let's see if i can do a good transition from this all right so we go from winged microchips that might just be flying all around like normal seeds. But now, now MIT has created glowing plants. Plants that can shoot their seed. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, glowing plants. I, I think you get the point. The Next Generation of Glowing Plants by MIT News. Shout out MIT News. It'd be nice if I could get some of these people on my podcast, on my show. It's not a podcast anymore. It's a show. Because I'm showing people stuff. Using specialized nanoparticles embedded in plant leaves, MIT engineers have created a light-emitting plant that can be charged by an LED. After 10 seconds of charging, plants glow brightly for several minutes and they can be recharged repeatedly. These plants can produce light that is 10 times brighter than the first generation of glowing plants, the research group reported in 2017. So this isn't the only time they've done this before. They have been working on this for a good amount of time. Definitely after this going to put the people who did this study on a uh, on the guest list so I can email them. But this is pretty fucking cool. So here's a quote. We wanted to create a light emitting plant with particles that will absorb light, store some of it, and emit it gradually. This is a big step toward plant-based lighting. Creating ambient light with a renewable chemical energy of living plants is a bold idea. 
a professor of architecture at MIT and the author of the paper who has worked with Stanos Group on plant-based lighting. It represents a fundamental shift in how we think about living plants and electrical energy for lighting. The particles can also boost the light uh, light production of any other type of light-emitting plant, including those uh, lab originally developed. Those plants use nanoparticles containing the enzyme luciferance, no idea if I pronounced that right, but that doesn't matter, which is found in fireflies, so the thing from fireflies, to produce light. The ability to mix and match functional nanoparticles inserted into a living plant to produce new functional properties is an example of the emerging field of plant nanobiotics. Uh, So this is... Uh, what do they call it? What's that thing when you're like writing a document? So, annotation. Annotation. The reason I'm talking about this is because the amount of video games I've played and there's just fucking incandescent light, incandescent plants just lighting shit up. Oh, this would be so fucking sick. I'm sure it's probably going to be fucking expensive, but I think the technology could be there and it might be really fucking cool. Uh, sh- Stano's lab has been working on uh, working for several years in the new field of plant nanobiotics, nanobionics, which aims to give plants novel features by embedding them with different types of nanoparticles. Their first generation of light-emitting plants contained nanoparticles that carry luciferance and luciferin, which work together to give fireflies their glow. Using these particles, the researchers generated water ca- water watercress plants. Oh, generated watercress plants that could emit dim light about one thousandth the amount needed to read for a few hours. In the new study, so that was 2017. Now 2021. In a new study, uh, Stano and his colleagues wanted to create comp components that could extend the duration of light and make it brighter. They came up with the idea of using a capacitor, which is a part of an electrical current that can store electricity and release it when needed. In the case of glowing plants, the light capacitor can be used to store light in the form of photons, then gradually release them over time. So this is the cool part. Okay. To create the light capacitor, the researchers decided to use a type of material known as phosphor. Pretty sure I'm not pronouncing that correctly, but whatever. pH. These materials can absorb either visible or ultraviolet light and then slowly release it as a phosphorence glow. What, oh god, fucking dyslexia, suck my ass. A, released as a glow, the researchers used a com- compound called something something, which can be formed into nanoparticles as their f- f- pH. God damn it. Before embedding them in plants, the researchers coated the particles in silica, which protects the plant from damage. Just like fake titties. The particles, which are several hundred nanometers in diameter, can be infused into the plants through the stomata, small pores located on the surface of leaves. The particles accumulate in a spongy layer called the 
something something where the form uh, where they form a thin layer of film the major conclusion of the new study is that whatever of living plants can be made to display these photon photonic particles without hurting the plant or sacrificing lighting properties and reason for absorption Yeah, I'm not going to read any more of this fucking shit because uh, more large words that I don't know about. But mind blower because just think about it. Think oh, as much as I love being outside, it would be even better if I could be outside and not have crazy light pollution from the fucking sky. Now, just like the plants can just be given off like crazy lights and shit. I do have uh, they do say later on in the article that they do not think that the um, that the nanoparticles they are putting into the plants actually have any sort of adverse effects on the plants. But obviously this is just research, so you don't really know the larger scale of what might happen. But I thought that was pretty cool, the mind-blowing of glowing plants. And, um, oh God, I'm really not doing fucking good on transitions today. Oh, we're already fucking 24 minutes in. I bet ad break and uh, we'll be sending it pretty fucking quick from that middle screen. If you're listening, you have no idea what I just said, but ad break time. Double Dome Municipality back at it again with another ad. This episode's ad is brought to you by Tommy Chong CBD. The world is full of CBD brands, but only one has the name Tommy Chong CBD. They got drops, topicals, gummies, soft gels. Obviously, why wouldn't you? From 750 milligrams full spectrum gummies to 250 milligram CBD muscle freeze gel. There's definitely something on this website that will pique your interest. Drops come from three different formulas. Some of the drops uh, are full spectrum, good vibes, and nice dreams. They got 300 milligram versions all the way up to 3,000 milligram versions of the drops. So no matter who you are, there's a product for you. Check them out, wickedgood.xyz, advertisers tab. You go wickedgood.xyz, click on the advertisers tab. Bam, there you go. That's how the internet works. Wickedgood.xyz, advertisers tab. If you don't use that link, I don't make any money. Also... Um, make sure to use Tommy 20 when you check out, you get 20% off. So, uh, as long as that lasts, don't know when this episode will be coming out or airing. So there you go. Tommy 20, wickedgood.xyz, advertisers tab. There you go. That's the end of this ad. Back to the show. from paying my bills. Should call that more. I, I, I've listened to enough of brilliant idiots. I should know how paying the bills works, but... One more mind blower before we go. This mind blower comes from Netflix acquiring iconic Ronald Dahl uh, Dahl Story Company. Now, uh, I'm pretty sure if you've ever heard of Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory, I think you know who we're talking about. So this is directly from Netflix. It's about uh, HTTPS about dot uh, Netflix dot com. So this is directly from Netflix. September 22nd. 2021, we're excited to announce that the Ronald Dahl Story Company and Netflix are joining voices, forces, uh, forces to bring 
some of the world's most loved stories to current and future fans in creative new ways. Hopefully something Netflix Hopefully Netflix doesn't fuck this up like they fucked up um oh god. Arrested development. God damn that show went downhill. This acquisition builds on the partnership we started three years ago to create a slate of animated TV series. For example, Academy Award winning filmmaker and Academy Award nominee are now hard at work on a series based on the world of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Uh, new se- Okay, so it doesn't say what type of series, but a new series based on Charlie and the Chocolate Factory is coming. In addition, we're working with Sony and working the and working the title on uh, and working the title on an adaption of uh, a musical these projects opened our eyes to a much more ambitious venture the creation of a unique universe across animated and live action films and tv publishing gaming immersive experiences live theater consumer products and more Ronald's uh, Ronald's books have been translated into 63 languages and sold more than 300 million copies worldwide. With characters like Matilda, the BFG, Fantastic Mr. Fox, Willy Wonka, and the Twits delighting generations of children and adults. These stories and their messages of the power and possibility of young people have never felt more pertinent. Sure. As we bring these uh, timeless tales to more audiences and new platforms, we're committed to maintaining their unique spirit and their universal themes of surprise and kindness, while also sprinkling in some fresh magic into the mix. I'm sure that fresh fucking magic from netflix is going to be great dave you couldn't tell by my tone of voice i don't think we need any of that special fresh magic because it hasn't really done very well but obviously with squid game that went well not going to talk about that very much uh we want to say a huge thank you to a lot of people whatever so netflix is now going to have their hands on and they have now acquired does it say actually acquired okay acquired we're on a story company so netflix has now actually officially bought the company it does not say exactly what the there's a moment in james oh dude james and the giant peach wait isn't james and the giant peach a part of that too hmm well either way Netflix now owns uh, way more shit in the entertainment business, but Amazon's been buying shit up too, so I can't really complain. Fucking fuck Disney. Either way, I think this is pretty um, mind-blowing, seeing as Netflix is now making another huge play and trying to stay relevant. On top of Netflix being relevant, Squid Game, I'm not going to get into that too much because I think everyone has fucking watched it at this point. I thought it was pretty good. I've watched it twice. I watched it originally with the English dub. Yes, I don't mind watching things with English dubs. I know the acting's way fucking worse, but I watched Dark, three fucking seasons of it, and all that was English dub, and the acting was not perfect, nor were the lips matching, obviously, but I got over it. Now that I knew the story, I then went back and watched it subtitled with 
original audio, which obviously made it way better. The emotions were a lot better and uh, a lot more comprehensible, even though I had no idea what they were saying. And my dyslexia does not help with trying to read captions and look at the screen. So that's why I did not do that the first time, because I cannot read and watch a movie and try to absorb the visual wonderfuls of a movie or any media that's visual. I cannot do that while trying to read at the same time. It's just not possible for me. So Squid Game thought was good. Um, I don't, I think one of my friends put it the best way and it, I had like, a, oh wow, that's really true. I think everyone's hyping it up so much is because the bar has been set so fucking low lately. Like I, I, the bar is so fucking low for TV shows and movies that a show like this is fucking doing phenomenal. So I don't know. I still think Ozark is still the best Netflix original. And probably after that, I don't. Oh, um, okay. So maybe dark. And then I'll do, I think another one of those Netflix originals is the, uh, the old crime one. That's like the eighties. It has that style. I'd probably do that. The story of OJ was pretty good. I think that was a Netflix original and I would put it in the top five, definitely top 10 best Netflix originals, but Ozark is still, Ozark's definitely still fucking up there. Oh, what do we got? We good. Oh, uh, Wicked Good YouTube channel. So obviously I like to pimp out a YouTube channel every uh, episode. So Wicked Good YouTube channel for this episode is actually a going into the next topic also uh, with Elon and Tesla, self-driving, space, all that shit. This guy is, his YouTube channel is AI Driver, D-R-I-V-R, no E, so driver with no E, and he's a part of the beta and has been making 30-minute videos of the beta fucking around. So, um, yes, that is the Wicked Good Channel of the Week, which leads into Tesla's full self-driving beta 10.2 has started rolling out to new testers with perfect safety scores. Uh, let me put this in. Amidst social media posts from veteran FSB, part of the program, Tesla CEO Elon, Elon Musk tweeted FS10 2.2 is being rolled out to cars that have received a safety score of 100 for the passing for the past 100 miles. This will likely result in a greater number of new testers as numerous Tesla owners have been working really hard to qualify for the rollout of self full self-driving beta 10.0, 10.2. If you don't know, now you will know. Safety score, what that means is obviously Tesla is collecting an enormous amount of data on every single car that is driving so it knows how good you are driving it knows better than your insurance company that's why tesla is offering insurance in certain states is because they can literally tell how good you are driving because the car tells tesla how good you are driving so this is how they're choosing the people to get into the beta i think the next beta is like 99% um safety driving so Basically, the only way to get into the beta is over the last hundred or so miles, you have not fucked up. So, if you want to get into it and you have a Tesla, don't fuck up in a hundred miles. Should be pretty good. I don't know the actual safety standards that regard the score, but I don't know. That's how it works. So, if you didn't know, the only way you can get 
full self-driving is you have to have a really good score, which means you have to allow Tesla to collect all of your data and then run it through systems to make sure that you have a safety score of 100. I think it's really cool. Uh, I haven't really talked about Tesla that much lately. I don't even think I really even talked about them this this season. I think it's uh, because I've just gotten so jaded to the fact that, yes, their cars basically can drive themselves. They stop at stop signs. They stop at red lights. They go at green lights. They slow down for pedestrians. They do speed up for pedestrians. They do speed up at red lights. But no other car can do this. And I don't. obviously there's some safety issues that uh, are pretty big concerns. But... I think there's going to be things like this that happen continuously throughout any sort of innovation. So at a certain point, got to let it happen. Got to let some people die. I mean, honestly, so so many people fucking die from car accidents. I watched someone, I don't even know how they didn't see the fucking car there, pulling into the fucking fast food restaurant intersection. We got the green light. The intersection can lead right into there. Like straight, you go into whatever um, fast food restaurant. And someone turning on the T, just whoop, fucking bam, fucking smash them. Well, I was looking at both of them right in the face. Watches it, watch fucking, basically just watch the fucking T-bone happen right in front of me. Um, no, I didn't because I did not stop and uh, assist, uh, assist, I mean, honestly, it was such a clear fuck up on the person who T-boned the other person, so whatever. But um, people aren't very smart and... Every time I drive for probably more than a half an hour, my self-respect for humans goes down substantially. So that's why I disenjoy driving and people suck at driving. So I'm not going to say I don't suck at driving either, but I'll just put it this way. We are seeing all these shortages in no one wanting to drive trucks, no one wanting to do all these things, all these things that could actually be automated and people were complaining about stealing other people's jobs but now there are jobs and no one's filling them so the future fucking i hate people you can't this is my if anyone's listening to this and constantly are hear people say oh but but what about the job oh oh it's gonna destroy the jobs oh oh we the jobs well for one uh, we are in a market where jobs are being created at a substantial abundance because of the technology progression we have done. Also, there were people back in the day when you used to, you know, remember, you know, how uh, there was like a landline in your house? Yeah, well, at one point before I was born and probably before a lot of people listening to this were born, that line would literally go to some giant building where women would sit down and you call up, you say, I want to call gram i want to call grandma all right one second a lady would take a thing out of the wall the wire literally physically connected to your phone from miles away takes your wire fucking connects it to fucking grandma's wire and now you can talk to grandma do you think people were complaining about those fucking jobs being gone do you want to sit down and fucking unplug cables and plug it in for some rich asshole who can spend enough money to have a cell phone landline or cell phone have a landline no I, I i assume not also why would i want to serve fucking people people suck if you haven't noticed i try to be as nice to people as possible but sometimes um i 
whatever. I've been at the store before and intervened when someone was being an asshole to one of the workers. Someone is being paid minimum wage who has no has no right to be running the place and barely even fucking probably understands how to use a cash register. That's not their fault. It's the company's fault. Not even that either, but it's the higher-ups. But whatever, this goddamn jobs defense for autonomous driving, absolutely null and void because that's how jobs have been forever. How the fuck did we build buildings back in the day? Oh, wait, we have cranes now. Oh... I should do more tangents like that. I don't know that, man. This Shut the fuck up with this god... Oh, the jobs. The jobs. Oh, the jobs where people serve me shit. The jobs where I go in and they get paid less money because they have to work for tips. Oh, I, I want more people serving me, basically, is what you're saying. So, mm. <laughs> suck it. Fuck the jobs. My fucking Tesla is going to run your bitch ass over because of full self-driving. <laughs> Speaking of steamrolling, Elon Musk is steamrolling Jeff Bezos's net worth. SpaceX has now hit a $100 billion evaluation after secondary share sale. Techni- <laughs> Whoa. Technically, this is not confirmed, and it's not confirmed because SpaceX is a private company, which... I'm never going to probably have a company that fucking goes public because watching what happened to Tesla and all the shit that happens with them, not fucking worth it. But you can just go the cool way and get rich people to give you money, which is what SpaceX has done. SpaceX has an agreement with new and existing investors to sell up to $755 million in stock from insiders at $560 a share. According to a uh, according to multiple people familiar with the deal, quote unquote sources, MSNBC is really good with their sources, increasing the company's evaluation to one hundred point three billion dollars. The company did not raise new capital at this time, sources said, with the per- with the purchase offer uh, representing a secondary sale of existing shares. So they weren't adding more shares; they were just selling shares that were already there, consolidating. The new share price is an increase of 33% from SpaceX's last evaluation of $74 billion in February. So they've gone from $74 billion in February to now over $100 billion in late September. The company had had a similar secondary transaction in February, the deal with uh, $750 million at the time. SpaceX's new evaluation makes it one of the... Uh, Rare or unicorn companies in the world, a $1 billion unicorn 100 times over. Musk, SpaceX is now the second most valuable private company in the world, according to CB Insights, behind only China's ByteDance and jumping past fintech firm Stripe. Obviously, Apple is a publicly traded company. It's worth more, but that's publicly traded. So this is the second largest privately owned company in the world. On top of that, I did not realize Stripe, pretty sure that's owned by Jack Dorsey or a majority owned by Jack Dorsey, the owner of Twitter. I didn't know Finstripe was second. So now it's ByteDance, which God forbid if you've listened to this show, you know how much I love ByteDance. ByteDance, so number one, or top five, top three, rich or most 
highest evaluated private companies in the world. ByteDance at one, SpaceX at two, and at three, Stripe. So with that happening, um, Elon is now the richest man on the planet. He has over 100, uh, he's worth over 100 billion. So he's worth more than Jeff Bezos now, so Jeff Bezos can cry himself to sleep apparently. Uh, also, Jeff Bezos's wealth is not necessary. Jeff Bezos's wealth. It. Ugh, I hate having to describe this to people, but uh, I like doing it anyways because uh, it makes me feel smarter. Most of these people's evaluations of wealth doesn't come from liquid. Now, when I'm saying liquid, doesn't mean cash in bank or cash on hand. Most of or most of Jeff Bezos's wealth comes from Amazon stock. So the more Amazon stock goes up the more Jeff Bezos is worth. So if you want to be evaluated at a high level and not have a bunch of cash, you can also go buy stock. And when those stocks go up, you will be worth more money. It's the same fucking shit. It's just he created the company, so now he owns probably over 20% of the company. So every time the stock price goes up, his 20% goes up. It's just like how last year Elon's Valuation went up directly coincided with Tesla's stock price going up. So when Tesla's stock price went up, his net worth goes up. So same thing here. SpaceX's valuation went up. Elon Musk's evaluation went up. Same shit. It's not like they're just printing money and shit like that. It just, if the company's worth more money, they're going to make more money. It's that simple. If you want Jeff Bezos to have more or less money, make his fucking stock tank. If you made Amazon fucking tank, Jeff Bezos would lose billions of dollars. So, shut the fuck up with all this Jeff Bezos. Uh, 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 tax the rich. I do agree, tax the rich, because most of these people are just holding a lot of their stocks as their valuation. But, that's besides the point. That's some crazy financial shit. Either way, God, I have no fucking idea how long this goddamn episode... Oh, we're doing pretty good. Hitting an hour pretty soon. On top of that, I did want to leave a link for the Inspiration 4 mission. I didn't end up getting to talk about it that much, but it is technically the first all-civilian mission to orbit. I feel like I'm jaded at this point to a lot of the space stuff just because literally every single day that I, I look into it. So, yes, it's cool. Um, they had a shitting problem with their with their toilet, so I'm sure that that was very good, but... um. I'm happy to see it happen. I'm also happy to see that Elon was not the first person to be on the civilian ride, unlike Jeff Bezos or Richard Branson. Elon has stated the whole point for creating the stuff was not to send him and friends up into space. It was to send actual people into space. So I'm happy that he didn't actually end up sending himself to space. Also, Elon's the only one who could technically send himself to space. All the other ones did not make it to space. They made it just below the line where space counts. Not really space. So Elon could be the actual billionaire to send himself to space. But none of them actually sent themselves to space. They sent themselves into the air still technically. What we do? I'm just going to delete some of these articles so I can just fucking figure out where I'm at. Full self driving, Elon space shit. Um, oh, um, adding this in now. Wicked good secret link. Uh, I'm going to add a secret link to the show notes every single episode 
going forward. So if you want to stealing this from Philip DeFranco, but I haven't watched Philip DeFranco in year in over two years, probably not at this point because that that show went downhill. I really only liked Philip DeFranco when he had the when Joe Nation was doing the uh, background, uh, the behind the scenes stuff. I thought that was pretty cool. God, I can't fuck with this mask, but whatever, we're gonna deal with it. I'm um, getting pretty. A lot, uh, a lot of the last half stuff is going to be a little bit faster, but um, go right on to music stuff. Uh, music stuff, uh, more stuff that has to do with podcasting. Spotify is poised to take over Apple Podcasts this year. This is from Insider Intelligence and eMarketer. Uh, uh, the forecast: Spotify is still expanding its podcast listenership in the U.S., while Apple Podcasts has essentially stagnated. In fact, Spotify will narrow surpass will narrowly surpass Apple in that metric by the end of this year. The Swedish streaming company will have 28.2 million monthly podcast listeners over Apple's 28.0 million, a razor thin lead with the uh, lead that will widen in the years to come. So US Spot uh, US Spotify podcast listeners 2021 to 2025. That is some estimates. Um, this year, 40% of U.S. internet users, I think this is a really cool stat. This year, 40% of U.S. internet users will tune into podcasts at least once per month. So that's at least 12 podcasts per year for 40% of the U.S. internet users. Given the medium's rapid listener growth thus far, we expect this to grow slow. Uh, we expected this growth to slow down for the next few years. I don't know about that, but we'll see. Despite this overall deceleration, Spotify's growth among that listener base will continue to increase through the end of our forecast period 2025. YouTube and Google Podcasts are also popular formats for podcast listening in the U.S. Amazon Music continues to build out its audio offerings and invest in the medium. We do not yes public podcast public podcast listener forecast for these platforms. Ahead looking, 2024, podcasts will reach about 40% of the population and 45% of internet users in the U.S. at least once a month. By the end of the following year, there will be 142 million monthly podcast listeners. Among them, 43.6 million will listen via Spotify and 29.1 million will listen via Apple Podcasts. I don't know what those these are statistics going forward, but it's it. I think this stat: the 40% of U.S. Uh, U.S. internet users listen to one podcast at least per month. I think that's a really cool stat. I honestly did not think it was that high. I thought podcasts were a little bit more niche than that. Everyone and their mom has a fucking podcast now. I'm sure that my show. Uh, that's why I'm got rid of the name podcast because it's just fucking I don't know bring some shit along. also it's a show I, I spend a lot of time on the set uh, I think my audio quality is pretty good smacking I don't know about the content of this might not be smacking but um, I think I do a pretty good job on enticing or making a good show not really though uh, in all honesty but if 40% if that gets up to 50% uh, that would be pretty fucking cool so some Fucking Spotify shit. Some other shit. Um, fucking great transition, Joe. Oh my god! Wow! 
Welcome to the new record business from Music Business Worldwide. Warner Music Group is now generating over $270 million from TikTok, Peloton, Facebook, and other alternative platforms annually. Universal Group debuted on the Inst- Amsterdam. I talked about this earlier. Inst- Am- oh my God! Fucking Boston Axe. Amsterdam, Amsterdam uh, stock exchange with a market cap of f- I can't do that. Fifty-four billion on Tuesday, uh, September twenty-first. Uh, all right, here's what fucking matters. Yet there's also been a far amount of investor chatter about the other fast-growing non-traditional sources of music income. I'm talking about this because normally the way uh, people make money from music is Spotify, Apple Podcasts, certain um, music streaming platforms have to pay you for the right to use your music. But if you are Peloton, Facebook, or non-music streaming services... You kind of technically back like five years ago were just not allowed to use any of this stuff. It's the next article or two articles, and I'll talk about um, the tw- uh, Twitch signing an agreement uh, with a bunch of music rights holders. So, same thing happening here. Platforms like TikTok, Patreon, and uh, TikTok, Facebook, and Peloton, they have to basically make deals with Warner and other music rights holders to allow that music to be played on their platforms, Facebook also, uh, including Instagram. To, uh, tw- uh, September 23rd, Warner Music Group boss Steve Cooper revealed a stunning stat about this second, less talked about area of the business. A stat that, according to Music Business Worldwide, calculates suggests that it is a sector already worth a billion dollars in annual revenue for the global music rights industry. Speaking during an interview at the Goldman Sachs Communicopia, which I'm next year, I didn't fucking know this happening. I'm watching all, the Goldman Sachs Communicopia. Some fucking heavy, fucking heavy, heavy business headers are in the communication cornucopia. Cooper confirmed that Warner Music Group's recorded music operation has a present run rate of $235 million per year in revenue from alternative, uh, alternative offerings that create new use cases for music. Cooper, oh, so basically new ways that the music rights holders can dip their fingers in and steal. Uh, not steal, but I guess you're using your copyrighted information anyway, so... A copyright's a whole fucking other thing that I've gone down to before, but to the article. We believe that this intersection between gaming, fitness, social slash digital will sub, uh, will drive substantial revenues in the future. And these are our alternative offerings. Cooper notably called out Facebook, which has begun to utilize music in a new and interesting ways over the last couple of years, as well as TikTok, Peloton, and Roblox for their material contributions to that $235 million number, plus other platforms and innovations that are providing new use cases for music. Now, this is the part that I, I really, really like, and... I've been talking about it. It's been really running. It's been a a long theme in this show. Something's happening where 
a very large amount of money is being spent on music rights in the last two or three years. So something's going on. And I think that this might be one of the things going on that people are talking about behind doors at dinners. These sorts of things are what the future of uh, money making for music will be. You've got to keep in mind that in all of these areas, metaverses, gaming, live streaming, utilization of avatars and NFTs are in the infancy in terms of their relationship with and payment to music right holders. But many of them have a potential to become the next global platform. And in fact, many of them are already moving in that direction. So this is the head of Warner Music admitting that metaverses, gaming, live streaming, utilization of avatars, and NFTs are in their infancy, infancy, but have the ability to become the next global platform. So this is the shit that fucking matters, and this is the stuff that, if you care anything about music or music rights in the future, this is the stuff that's going to keep going on. If you're an independent artist... It's very hard to work out deals like this because you got to talk up with some really higher ups, but try to figure out new ways rather than just streaming or Spotify, Apple, try to find new ways of working your music in with YouTubers. Say, hey, I'll let you use my song or whatever if you promote it in the video or you can use the song in the background, make it your intro, make it your outro, do weird things like that. Like there's clearly live streaming avatars nfts there's different ways for you to make money from your music rights that isn't just streaming and clearly as i said earlier i think that that's really going to be a big part of the reason why a lot of this stuff is a lot of music rights are being bought up and we have a billboard article but i can't scroll down because i'm not subscribing or logging in so billboard suck my cock Cobalt seeking a $1 billion buyer for catalog believed to include Lord, The Weeknd, and The Weeknd's hits. $1 billion fucking dollars for music, for music rights. It, if they're throwing around a billion dollars or trying to get a billion dollars, something's going on. Private equity firm KKR is part of a group of investors interested in the deal, sources say. Cobalt Music has been shopping its Cobalt Music Royalty Fund too, sources say, and is now involved in final negotiations or may have already closed the deal, which sources say is in a billion-dollar ballpark. Possibly a group of investors that includes private equity from KKR. This deal, if confirmed, continues the, uh, here we go, the uh, incursion incursion of big private equity into music asset marketplace. Again, this deal, if confirmed, continues that big private equity is getting into music asset marketplace. On Thursday, reports service that Blackstone is doing a deal with uh, to back Merrick... The Family Music Ltd. with a $1 billion in funding to buy music assets and that Apollo is backing the new firm of Harborview Equity Partners launched by former Temp Music and Morgan Stanley executive. Morgan, uh, Former Morgan Stanley executive. I'll state that again. Former Morgan Stanley executive. So... If people like the former executive to 
Monier, uh, Morgan Stanley is getting into music rights assets, uh, something's going on. So yeah, there we go. Um, let's see. Uh, I don't. I don't know where we were with that. Bum, 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 bum. All right, I'm gonna do another ad break, and then that should be the last one, and then we can finish the show up. Up to the screen, if you're listening. Uh, transition right Dome Municipality. Back at it again with an ad. This episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. Say it with me, Blue Chew. Blue Chew will bring more confidence to you in the bedroom by offering chewable tablets that can help men get stronger, longer-lasting erections. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but it's chewable and it's a fraction of the cost. Blue Chew's tablets help men achieve harder, longer-lasting erections to combat all forms of of erectile dysfunction. Blue Chew is an online prescription service with no visits to the doctor, no awkward conversations, and no waiting lines at the pharmacy. Also, on top of all of that wonderfulness, it ships right to your door in a discreet package. The process is simple. Sign up at bluechew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, You'll receive your prescription within days. The best part, it's all done online. Blue Chew's licensed medical providers work with you to find the right ingredients and strength for you. Don't like swallowing pills? Same here. Had to deal with it before. No problems with this product. Blue Chew's Sedalafil and Tadalafil tablets are chewable. Blue Chew's tablets are made in the U.S. of A., and they're prepared and shipped directly to you, so it's cheaper than the pharmacy. If you could benefit from some extra confidence when it's time comes time to perform, visit bluechew.com for more details and obviously important safety information is there because obviously there's important safety information in regards to getting your dick hard. But I've got a special deal for you right now. Try Blue Chew for free when you use promo code WICKEDGOOD at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's BlueChew.com promo code WICKEDGOOD to receive your first month for free. Obviously, thank you Blue Chew for uh, sponsoring this podcast. Highly recommend. Obviously, you don't need it all the time, but those times where you you need the extraness, obviously, there you go. Back to the episode, your man is Back gone. Back from paying all of my bills. Sure, that actually paid all my bills. Definitely, that's how advertising works. Back at it again. This is between, uh, this article comes directly from the NMPA, the National Music Producers Association. This is in regards to Twitch and how they have been dealing with a lot of DMCA issues in the last year. Um, a lot of the VODs. Basically, uh, before, this is another reason why I kind of never really got into Twitch very much. Because I knew that you could play music and stuff. But I had a bad feeling that something was going to happen. Same, like we used to make, I used to make YouTube videos like really early in, in the YouTube days. You could use any fucking song you wanted. But then it was like fucking 10 years ago. Fucking whoever it was, Viacom came in and was like, eh, take all your money. So um, rather than that continuing to happen with Twitch, 
and having to continuously delete all your VODs just in case you had some illegally streamed music. They have came to an agreement. The NMPA, uh, also I'll be talking about the hack in probably a couple of minutes, uh, but that's also coming up after this. But I wanted to stay on the music publishing stuff because I feel like that's pretty fucking important. Twitch today announced that an agreement to that uh, to uh, announce an agreement to work together. Oh, fuck me. NMPA and Twitch today announced an agreement to work together to build productive to build productive partnerships between the service and music publishers. So basically, this is an announcement of an announcement. The deal paves the ways for the economics of new gaming models to increase visibility and revenue for songwriters. For visual shows to studio sessions, the partnerships stemming from this agreement will connect the Twitch community in many ways to the music they enjoy. Twitch will provide new opportunities to music publishers who will who will be offered an opt-in deal allowing for future collaborations to bring new facets to both the gaming experience and songwriter exposure. These collaborations will create an even more dynamic and expansive environment for people to discover, watch, and interact with songwriters. Uh, NMPA president and CEO, something, something. His last name is literally Israelite. What the fuck? Uh, Both NMP and Twitch are creator-focused, and our representative communities will greatly benefit from this agreement, which represents the rights of songwriters and paves the way for future relationships between our publisher members, songwriters, and the service. Through our discussions, Twitch has shown a commitment to valuing musicians and to creating new ways to connect them with fans in this burgeoning and exciting space. Sorry, my fucking fucking chin cunt. Twitch head of music, Tracy Chan. We are pleased to reach an agreement with the NMPA and excited about our shared community to empowering songwriters and other creators to share their work and passions while connecting with audiences. That was that what that's what Twitch is all about. We want the great music. St- we want we know that the great music starts with a great song. What? Whatever. We look forward to innovative collaborations that further unlock incredible potential for of our service and our community of music publishers and songwriter partners. Additionally, Twitch has created a new process that participating music right holders can opt into to report certain uses of their music to address when creators inadvertently or accidentally use music in their streams. Layman's terms, uh, basically, um, Amazon was about to get fucked by a lawsuit, and they were like, well, okay, we'll just get rid of all music on the platform, and that's what they did. So, it's not like they didn't see that coming, but now there is an agreement, so 
uh, mainly want to tie it back to the last article where we talked about new forms of music revenue and ways that people are making money off music, not just from streaming, it's from other people streaming it too. So there we go. Uh, well, that was that, right? Oh, fuck. No, oh, fuck it, whatever. Okay, so um, some crypto stuff. Dapper Labs has announced a $250 million funding. Um, Dapper Labs is the creator of the Flow Network. I've talked about them a lot. I think I talked about them last season. Flow, I wish I could fucking purchase it in the United States, but you can't. You can't purchase it in the U.S. or Canada. So um, that sucks, but um, I have and I am involved in uh, the Sturdy Exchange. So uh, all financial advice, fucking blah 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 fuck, uh, yes, I am invested, so yes, I am talking about it. Dapper Labs Inc., the company behind NBA Top Shot and the Flow Blockchain, today announced a U... announced... today announced $250 million in a new funding, led by Kotor and, Kotor and New Round brings together exciting investors, whatever... Version one venture. I don't give a shit about the people. Talk about the world's fast growing mind. All right, fuck off. This is the shit we care about. All right, here we go. Blockchain and crypto are fundamental underpinnings for the next wave of technology evolution, said Marty Par, general partner of Bond, with NBA Top Shot and a compelling pipeline of products to come. Dapper Labs is leading the way in innovative f- uh, with the innovative flow platform. We are excited to be a part of this journey and its next iterations with Rom and the team. The latest round follows a year of exponential growth for Dapper Labs. While it's still in open beta, its flagship NBA Top Shot grew 30 times in was that 3,000% in 2021 with more than, here's crazy stuff, $780 million in collectibles bought and sold, more than 1.1 million registered accounts with over 48% of them owning at least one moment and over 13 million transactions. Dapper Labs is growing quickly, but we're just stretching this. Uh, we're just scratching the surface of what this new technology can do for people," said the CEO of Dapper Labs. "We're excited to partner with our incredible investors to scale NBA Top Shot and launch our upcoming titles, as well as unlock the potential of the open ecosystem built on Flow." Where's the model? Where's the real good part? Oh. In addition to supporting soon-to-hit experiences from UFC, Genius, Warner Music Group, and more. So, um, yeah. I don't know if you uh, want me to repeat that, but the UFC, Genius, Warner Music Group, and more have signed up, and they are working with them. So, uh if you're trying to get into the crypto space and you want to, uh, personally, this is how I invest. Platform, platform, platform. I just, I'm slightly into NFTs. I don't, I want to, I want to dive into more music NFTs where I can buy rights to music, but that's obviously a legal gray area at this point. But if you're looking to invest in any sort of crypto, 
how I do it is platform, platform, platform. So if I could, I would uh, invest in the Flow platform with the governance token being Flow. Um, if anyone wants to buy some for me outside of the country, hold it in a wallet, and then I'll give you some money, possibly. But these guys are doing a lot. Obviously, Ethereum seems like the top one. I'm going to look a lot more into Sol- Solona. Um, that one seems to be doing pretty good. Uh, you can actually buy that, so that's pretty nice. But um, I don't know. Fucking, fucking Flow Network. I've been talking about it. Obviously, I'm going to continue to talk about it because I do feel pretty... Uh, inv- I am partially invested into it. Oh, uh, and uh, disclosure, I will put it out. I did get uh, a couple of the some hoodlums. The some hoodlum drop on Sturdy Dot Exchange. I have a zombie, so I'm feeling pretty good about that. Uh, I knew, I now understand. Um, sitting there while the drop was happening, getting on the bottom floor of an NFT, I understand where the fucking addiction comes from. The only reason I really did it was because I knew it was on the Flow Network, so I kind of was just like, okay, fuck it, we'll we'll just let that happen. But um. I have created a new, but, um, uh, great chance this in jail. I have created a new, uh, a, a new, uh, category or section, if you want to say, for the podcast, and it's called Born in the USA. Now, I was driving the other day, and I was hearing someone complain about the USA, and then I, uh, realized that earlier that day, I had read a article about how Lebanon's entire electric grid had been down for two days, okay? So then I, my rebuttal was, uh, no, I think the U.S. is actually wonderful, seeing as our power grid does not go down for two days. So that is now what has borne the born in the USA. I can't sing it because of the copyright. It might be better to be like, proud to be American or something. We'll work on it, but a couple stories every every episode just to uh, kind of make you feel a little bit better about, you know, being a U.S. citizen. Or if you don't live in the U.S., if you are Canada, kind of counts, Mexico. And, but if you're another from another country and listening to this, this can make you feel better about wanting to move to the U.S. because it's so wonderful. So, as I was saying, um, failed states... Um, have failed electric grids. Now where it's true, uh, this is directly from Forbes, so this is not loud. All right, here we go. The looming humanitarian crisis in Lebanon's hospitals demonstrates once again the essential, the uh, the essential use of electricity in our modern society. Society. Modern healthcare requires dependable juice and lots of it. Juicers, all the juicers out there, all the XQC juicers. All of our key networks, GPS, telecom, traffic lights, water systems, depend on low-cost, abundant, and reliable electricity. And if you don't have that, you don't get none of it. Electric grids provide near-perfect reflections of the societies they power. Countries with robust electric grids, USA, USA, not Texas, not Texas. Uh, if you don't know, three uh, grids in the U.S., East, West, Texas has their own grid. So, there you go. 
institutions and robust economics, but as you can see uh, in Lebanon, Iraq, Nigeria, and other places where corruption runs unchecked, electric grids simply don't work. For decades, Lebanon's tattered electric grid, which is actually a patchwork of generators and wires that includes the corrupt and inept state-owned utility, not going to try to pronounce that, and independent power producers known as Generator Mafia, has struggled to provide reliable power to the country's residents. But over the past two weeks in particular, or in the past two years in particular, since the deadly explosion at the port building uh, leveled much of central Beirut a year ago, the Lebanese economy, uh, econ- economy, economy has descended into chaos, and as the economic slide has accelerated, electricity has become even scarcer. According to the Associated Press, Lebanese residents currently get an average of two hours of electricity per day from the notoriously corrupt state company that has cost state coffers more than two. Whoa, more than $40 billion over the past three decades. Due to the shortages of fuel, the generator mafia had not been able to meet demand. According to one report, the private generator's owners turned off the generators for over 12 hours per day. Proud to be an American where my grid stays online. So, there you go. Make you feel better. Another thing that will make you feel better about being in the U.S., this might happen at some point, but China's central bank has now banned all crypto transactions. So, earlier in the year, they banned all crypto mining. Now, it is legally, it's legally illegal to transact crypto in China. So, I think it was like two years ago, they implemented the digital yen. So, they already have their own cryptocurrency for their digital yen. So they already got it. So now, great to be an American. We still have crypto. Know how deal how long that's gonna work. Also, shout out uh, China. Great to be an American. Kids aren't all right. This is from uh, the Next Web. Fuck it. Kids in China. It ha- have it tough enough. I'm sure they do. Weeks after the country limited their online multiplayer gaming to at least three hours a week, it's putting a cap on TikTok usage with a mere forty minute utes four minute. What an idiot. 40 minutes a day allowed. Over the weekend, ByteDance, the owner of TikTok, ByteDance, just talked about it earlier. ByteDance, the number one private company on the planet, which owns TikTok, um, is creating a new version of TikTok just for China with a youth mode for children under the age of 14. This mode will let them use the app for just 40 minutes a day. Plus, they're not allowed to use it between 10 p.m. and 6 a.m. The youth mode is applicable to users who are registered with their real name using the country's authentication system, which requires users to verify themselves with a government ID rolled out last year. ByteDance is also urging parents to complete the authentication of children who haven't done so yet. So, uh, I, I think immediately once uh, I said it's limited to 40 minutes and certain shit like that, you're immediately probably thinking of loopholes of how to get around that. But we don't live in China. And in China, uh, when you sign up for social media apps, you literally have to use basically a Chinese version of a social security number and your ID to literally prove that it's you and it knows that it's you. Tried to make a Facebook account like last I don't know, like a month ago, asks me to give them my ID. 
no, I am not giving Facebook my ID. They can suck my ass. That's not happening. China, that's just how it works. If you sign up for an app, you got to fucking give them your ID. No matter your age, doesn't matter. You got to have that shit. So shout out being American. Don't have to use our IDs to sign into certain things. Aren't being limited to 40 minutes a day on TikTok. I think it should be limited to zero in the United States, but that's just my opinion. Ooh, wait, what else we got? Oh, and then uh, also, uh, I think it was a couple weeks ago, they also, um, China also uh, restricted uh, online multiplayer for people. So even, so I'll put it this way, it's not just for apps, it's for gaming consoles, it's for games. You have to give them, there's an identification system that all these companies are work together on and the government runs. Same with the social thing. It's the same system probably that when you're walking down the street, all the cameras are like, ooh, that's you. Ooh, this kid plays this game. Fuck him in the pussy. Whatever. Great to be an American. My transitions are not doing good this episode. That doesn't matter though because it is my show and I can do what I want. So this week's usually started off with Hack of the Week. Fucking with the format a little bit. We're switching things around. This week's hack of the week, uh, or just hack of the episode, is Twitch. Twitch has been hacked. Part 2, hopefully coming out soon, but we have part 1 right now. This is the original message. We bring to you an extremely poggers leak. Twitch, an American video live streaming service that focuses on video game live streaming, includes broadcasts of eSport competitions operated by Twitch Interactive, a subsidiary of Amazon.inc. Amazon.com, Inc. Their community is also a... (laughs) Their community is also a disgusting cesspool. So to foster some disruption and competition in the online video streaming space, we have completely pwned them in this part one. We are releasing the source code of almost uh, for almost all 6,000 integral Git uh, repositories, including entirety of Twitch.tv with comment history going back to its earliest beginnings, mob, uh, mobile, desktop, and video game console Twitch clients, various um, uh, proprietary SDKs and, inter- and internal AWS services used by Twitch, every other property that Twitch owns, including IGBD and CurseForge, and unreleased Steam competitor for Amazon Game Studio, Twitch COS internal red teaming tools. So not o- so. So I'm fucking saying so a lot. A lot of people have been talking about this hack. They've been talking about the numbers, how much each Twitch streamer is getting paid. Who fucking cares? Yes, they're making a lot of money. Some of them are not making a lot of money. YouTubers make more money. What fucking matters is literally the entire back end. The code that is twitch.tv has been fucking exposed. So that means if there's any bugs, if there's anything that no one on the internal team has caught, now the open fucking world has it. And I'm sure there's people just running through it right now. People who probably shouldn't be running through things like that, but that's what they do. Also on top of that, it it's source code from when the fucking Twitch wasn't even owned by Amazon. They're saying that there's literally like... Um, 
annotation from the guys who created Justin TV back in the day. So this is this is fucking big, and this is only part one. So we're hoping that obviously in part two there isn't anything crazy, but in part one there wasn't any passwords, any of any of that, no emails, no credit card information. It was just the source code, and really had to dig fucking deep at these people at Twitch. Also, I think it, part one is more of a, hey, look, we have your source code, meaning we probably have a lot of other shit that you don't understand yet. Now, Twitch obviously responded in their own blog post. I'm going to read it. This is the most recent one from 1015. We have said previously the incident was a result of a server configuration change that allowed improper access by an unauthorized third party. Our team took action to fix this configuration issue and secure our systems. Twitch passwords have not been exposed. We are also confident that systems that store Twitch logging credentials, which are hashed by Bcrypt, were not accessed. Uh, confident. Yeah, I'm sure you're confident that the whole fucking place wasn't going to get hacked anyways. Nor were full credit card numbers or ACH slash bank information exposed. The exposed data primarily... Pri- primarily contain documents from Twitch's source code repository, as well as a subset of creator payout data. We've undergone a thorough review of the information included in the files exposed and are confident that it only affected a small fraction of users and customers impacted is, customer impact is minimal. We are contacting those who have been impacted directly. We are. We take our responsibility to protect your data very seriously. We want to take the steps to further secure our service, and we apologize to our community. Uh, as a streamer, I did get a notification that they changed all of the stream keys, so that is a good thing, because if you have a stream key, basically means you can stream on anyone's fucking account, so good thing they did that. Um, yeah, Twitch got fucking, fucking ass-raped. Absolutely pwned. Um, there you go. It's not the only company that's been pwned in a little bit. Uh, this company, I didn't even know was a fucking company. But um, Sin, Sinverse. Sinverse is a... Alright, so when you when you send a text message, someone has to send that text message. Now, you would think it's Verizon, T-Mobile, AT&T, Sprint. No. It's actually this company. This company literally... It's like 80% 80 of every single text message that has ever been sent has ran through this company. And the person who has 80% 80 of all text messages running through the company has found out that for an example, this isn't, they're merging with another company. And obviously when you merge with another company, you have to file with the SEC and certain things about your business have to be logged and told to the SEC and people who are probably need to know about this sort of thing and no mainstream articles have came out about this i only found out about this from a fucking redditor and i just read into it and found the actual sec documents so page 69 uh paragraph five for example in may 2021 sinverse became aware of an unauthorized access to its operational and informational technology systems by an unknown individual or organization uh, the May 2021 incident, prompting upon Cineverse's detection of the unauthorized access, Cineverse, Cineverse launched an internal investigation, notified law enforcement, commer, um, commenced remedi- 
remedial, uh, remedial actions and engaged the services of spe- specialized legal counsel and other incident response professionals. Sinverse uh, has conducted a thorough investigation of the incident. Why is there not some sort of law that ha- like if you if you find some sort of unauthorized access like within 30 days you need to make a public fucking announcement about it this is crazy they say that the result of the investigation revealed the unauthorized access began in may 2016 so from 20 fucking fucking 2016 to may 2021 someone some organization some people had access to 80 percent of every fucking text message sent i'll say that again for five years Someone, some organization, something had access to 80% of all the fucking text messages sent across the world. Don't see how that would be a problem. Oh, why isn't that fucking headline news? I don't know. That's why I have to talk about this shit and I get irate because how, why, why am I, why, why am I sitting down in this fucking studio talking about this? Someone with a lot more reputation should be doing it, but I get to talk about it. Whatever. Main point is, there's been a lot of fucking hacks lately, and it's not going to stop fucking happening, so please get used to it. Uh, oh, all right, uh, Wicked Good Quickies. All right, good, so I get to fucking finish it up soon. Yeah, we're good. This could be like a nice one one thirty episode, maybe. Music sample platform Tracklib has raved $12 million, um from Sony's uh, uh, Innovation Fund, so... Track clip, shout out getting some more money. Um, oh, this one's kind of cool. Uh, the reason this isn't quickies is because I don't fully fucking understand it. But I'm going to read a good amount of this and uh, s- see if you can understand it. We introduced the uh, UCHUU suite of large resolution cosmological simulations. The largest simulation, UCHUU, consists of 2.1 trillion dark matter particles in a box. Size length, 2.0 GPC slash H. No idea the fuck that is. With a particle mass of something. The highest resolution simulation consists of 262 billion particles. Combining these simulations, we can follow the evolution of dark matter halos and subhalos spanning those hosting dwarf galaxies to massive galaxy clusters across an unprecedented volume. This, uh, in this first paper, we present basic statistics, dark matter power spectra, and the halo and subhalo mass functions, which demonstrate the wide dynamic range and superb statistics of the UCHU suite. For an analyst uh, from an analyst. From an analyst of the evolution of the power spectra, we conclude that our simulations remain accurate from the barren acoustic something scale down to a very small. We also provide parameters of a mass concentration model which describes the evolution of halo concentration and reproduces our simulation data within 5 percent of halos with masses spanning nearly eight orders of magnitude in uh at redshift something something basically what i'm talking about here is the world's largest fucking universal simulation so they simulated the universe this is it uh if you're smart enough to have any understanding of how any of that works 
please go check it out. But uh, that everything I said there and most of the numbers with letters after them absolutely went over my head. So there you go. Uh, another cool thing from Harvard has cracked DNA storage, crams 700 terabytes of data into a single gram. So 700 terabytes of data in a single gram. That's 700 mil. 700,000 gigabytes of data into a single gram. A bioengineer and geneticist at Harvard's W. Uh, Wyss Institution has successfully stored 5.5 petabytes of data, around 700 terabytes, in a single gram of DNA, smashing the previous DNA uh, density record of a thousand times. The work carried out by George Church and Sear something basically treats DNA as just another digital storage device instead of binary data being encoded as a magnetic re- as a magnetic region on a hard drive platter. Strands of DNA that store 69 bits, uh, 96 bits, are synchronized with each of the bases T, G, A, C, representing a binary value. T and G are 1, and A and C are 0. If you don't understand how fucking... Oh, um, thionine, guanine, guanine, um, fuck, at... Shit. What's the C one? Dynim, guanim, adazine, and something else. And CRISPR. No, I just, I'm just kidding. I don't know the other one. Cytosine. Oh, dynine, guanine, adenine, and cytosine. Based, okay. Um, to read the data stored in the DNA, you simply sequence it, just as if you were to sequence the human genome, and convert each of the TGA bases back into binary. To aid with sequencing, each strand of DNA has a 19-bit address block at the start, the red bits in the image below, so the whole vat of DNA can be sequenced out of order and then stored into un, uh, into usable data using the addresses. So, now we can create data in DNA, so we'll fucking see how that goes. Maybe our hard drives will be made out of DNA. And we have, uh, I'm going to... Uh, wicked, not good. I don't want to go too much into this, but um, Tencent AI research unveils PIR renderer, an AI model to control the generation of faces via semantic neural rendering. Basically, it's a very good way of making fake portrait pictures of people. Portrait images are an essential type of photograph that can be found in everyday life. The ability to intuitively intuitively control the poses and expressions of given faces in virtual reality or on film will be an essential task with applications ranging from filmmaking, communication designs for next generation interfaces. Or okay. But such editing uh but such editing but such edits editings are very challenging since it requires the algorithm to perceive reliable 3D geometric shapes of a given face. The human visual system is particularly accurate towards portrait images, which poses an additional challenge for the algorithm. The tasks require photorealistic faces and backgrounds to make it even harder to create such content. Researchers from Perkin University and Tencent propose a neural rendering model, PI renderer, through their research paper, the proposal model can generate two 
photorealistic results with accurate mentions given an input source, portrait image, and a 3D uh, MM parameters. So basically they can take one picture of you and then spin your head around, do different postures and stuff. So Wicked Not Good, the reason I'm saying that mainly is because it's Tencent, one of the largest companies in China. So that's where I really care about it. Uh, end of the episode, what are we doing pretty good on this one? Uh, happy to be back. Was good. Kind of happy to do this again. think there'll be two more episodes after this for this season. Uh, we're ending at the end of October. I've said that before. I think last episode I will have a special guest, uh, a historian, as you would say, cool researcher that I became. Uh, I'm not friends with him yet, but I think after the episode, I think I could become friends with him. And, um, yeah, that's it. So the next two episodes, including or three episodes, including this one, we have the Halloween background, more of that shit. Um, if you're listening to this, you have no idea, so it doesn't matter. But if you are listening to this, you can watch it on YouTube or the hub. If you're watching this, you can listen to it on Spotify, Apple podcasts. Also, there is a live stream going on right now, depending on when you're listening to this every Monday through Friday. There is a live stream of rerun episodes on Twitch and YouTube, so you can check that out. Wickedgood.xyz for all things. Basically, at wickedgood.xyz, wickedgood.xyz, wickedgood.xyz has everything. That's it. Peace out.